All right, Noel. Well, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. First things first, man, just want to check in. How's your day going? It's It was sunny where I am. How is it for you? Oh, it's a very moderate, grey English day over here in uh, the northwest. Um, just as I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I, mean uh, I like the summertime, but the heat kind of beats me down a bit. But uh, I'm well today. Just uh, dusting off the hangover. I caught up with some old friends last night. Um, you know, this this is where I grew up, and obviously with the pandemic, uh, I've not been here in like forever. Mm. And, uh, not seeing my parents in so long, so it's been a uh, it's been really nice to come home and uh, caught up with some old friends last night. But had a, quite a few ales, so oh, that's <laughs> I'm just amazing. Just coming back to life now. <laughs> oh no, that's awesome, man! Because obviously you brought it up as well. I mean, we we've been checking whatever we've spoken to during this period, this past eighteen ish months. Mm. How have you been holding up personally throughout the the COVID times? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I say I can't complain too much. I think um, uh, my, my, my situation, I've worked a lot, so um, I, I yeah. tried to sort of make the best of it. Um, I, I remember, like, just before it happened, uh, I used to be a chef, and I really wanted to kind of uh, make a career change. And um, with the band and everything and uh, having a full-time job and everything in life, like, I was finding it really hard to find time to sort of um, activate that. And uh, so... The pandemic kind of uh, it came at a good time because I was able to leave that job and get a new job. Like um, I, I was forced to have time. Um, so obviously, you know, global situation is awful, but um, I, I was managed to move into a new career and um, and because of that, I was able to work through um, all the pandemic as well. So and uh, I work outdoors, so I didn't get the same cabin fever uh, experienced by most. So. Uh, I really count myself lucky for that, you know. My uh, my girlfriend was working from home, and uh, I think she found that quite hard. And I know that I would have done as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I try and uh, like look at the positives, you know, keep myself sane. So uh, I was able to focus more on um, getting this album done that we were going to talk about today, and uh, and yeah, just kind of like um, focus on some dis- different aspects of uh, of my life that probably I wouldn't have had time to focus on had it not happened. So um, rather than focus on all the obvious things that suck about it, I just try and um, hold on to that. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that um, that things weren't worse for me because I can think about, you know, mm. a lot of other people's situations or people I know or just even just, you know, hypothetically that it, it must just be like so, so hard for so many. So, uh, so I, I, I try not to complain too much. No, I, I understand that as well. And it, it's strange. You almost have like a, a guilt complex, right? That, you know, effectively you have some positives to take out of this period. But because predominantly yeah. it's such a negative scenario, you kind of don't really want to talk about it, which is a shame because ultimately that's fantastic news. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's just so, uh, the whole thing just be, well felt and feels so alien. Mm. Um remember the start of it i mean i'm not really like a like type of person to panic but uh yeah i just thought like wow this is just things just felt so strange especially like remember like uh you know my first couple of months being on furlough and uh, i was living in manchester then and um and, and, you know that that those first two months before i got a new job was like the kind of experience of it like you know staying indoors and uh sort of oh, only go to the supermarket or whatever but I seem to remember thinking that like because of that like everyone was going to the supermarket <laughs> like going outside just seeing like huge lines for the shop like uh, masked up and 
you know, sort of distanced single file lines. It just, like, it just feels so dystopian. Um, so it was, uh, as an observer, kind of interesting, but just also just so weird. And um, I guess as it wore on, like, um, probably a lot of people felt this way. You started to feel like it was never going to end. Mm-hmm. And I think things never really will be the same, but... Um, I mean, like, really, like, there, there's a point where I, I thought, like, am I ever going to get on stage again? Um, yeah. You know, uh, it, it was, uh, I had to force myself to to keep motivated, I, I think. Because um, I think there are times, like, you you, you feel like, not, not giving up, but, like, you know, like, we're working towards music or whatever. So, well, what am I doing here? Like, is there really any, like, uh, prize at the end of the rope here? Yeah. Um, but, no, uh I think um, you know between myself and the other guys in, in my band, like on that angle, like we've been able to sort of support each other and actually sort of come together through this and find different ways of working. And uh, yeah, it's just been such an odd thing. But um, like I say, I, I just do my best to focus on on what's good because uh, I feel like that's that's all you can do in a, when yeah. there's a lot of ne- negative out there in the world, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right, absolutely right. And of course, as well, we got to talk about the professional side of things because obviously the COVID pandemic has had myriad effects on, well, there's no artist that hasn't been affected in some way or another. You guys, well, Necronautical, and the work on the brand new album, how much of an effect uh, has it had on that really? Or have you been able to kind of circumvent the issues easily? Well, obviously we've been able to circumvent them, but um, I wouldn't say it was easy. Okay. <laughs> um but we we found ways around it um well with writing the album just uh like right after the release of our last album Cartheosis, like um we we sort of had this surge of inspiration anyway um and so so actually before the pandemic hit we had most of this new album written um we were really pretty ahead of the game with it and so so i think it was like uh march we were out in portugal um and that was the last gig we played, actually, um, with Akakaka. Wow. And, uh, you know, it was a great last gig to, to have played, actually, because it was a really good one, really nice experience. And uh, you know, to be in a nice country like Portugal, it was like holiday, kind of went to the beach the day after. And, yeah, it's great. Um, we, after, I remember talking then, like, well, like, wow, you know, we're pretty much ready to start rehearsing this and booking studio and stuff. And then it all hit and like, well, maybe not. But I think uh, the... Myself in the first place, I was like, well, I want to carry on with this because, well, it's something to do. You know, you'll know yourself and any musician knows like a, an album is a, it's a huge body of work. And, uh, well, I thought there's no shows to play and uh, I've got time on my hands. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm one of the, um, I'm responsible for the sort of orchestration yeah. in the band that, that goes on there. And you typically, uh, historically, I'd have done that after we recorded like all guitars and everything. But I thought, well, I'm not going to see the guys for a while. So I, I just did that um, in those first few months. I just really focused on that. I put this like loads of detail into uh, that aspect of things, the sort of orchestration, soundscaping. Because um, I, uh, I had the time, put more effort in, you know, um, did a bit more sample creation, a little less out of the box kind of sound. And just sort of focused on enjoying that. And um, yeah, so we sort of resolved that, you know, like uh, we'll work around um, the rules. And that was frustrating because things kept changing. But we were like, no, we'll, We'll book a studio and uh, hopefully we'll have a new album ready to uh, to release at the end of all this. And um, well, we were right because it would feel like a, we were just about to play our first show back and the album is just about to come out. So um, what was tricky really was recording it 
Yeah. Um, we couldn't see each other. Um, there was a time uh, last summer where like meeting like another person was permissible and like our rehearsal space like opened like for a couple of months, but we couldn't all go. So I just met um, Rob or Slug, our drummer. Mm. And uh, we just sort of went over these songs and uh, he showed me the beats he had in mind. And uh, we kind of um, worked into that a bit, a little bit. And then, and, you know, the, everyone in the band, you know, they, we've been doing this a while. They, they know what they're doing. And they're all excellent musicians. So I never stress too much about that. There's a lot you can do these days with uh, obviously just what you can do online, file, file sharing, home recording. Awesome. Uh, to make things happen so we just worked around it that way like you know uh, James got a little interface we record, recorded guitar parts like that I record a lot of the Necronautical stuff myself anyway and then we take it to the studio for like a mix and a few final sub tweaks so we, we basically just did that way we just sort of um, communicated you know through WhatsApp or whatever um, writing the lyrics was funny because uh, myself and our bass player like he's the main lyricist and we were both, uh, he works for the Royal Mail, I work for DPD, so we're both delivery drivers, and we were doing the, the lyrics basically like whilst we were working, just like with voice notes on WhatsApp. Just like we were talking about, just, just thinking about it, just like just little song titles here and there. And like, and then we actually came to write the lyrics, like we had this kind of stream of consciousness kind of soundboard on WhatsApp that we were using. And some of it was just like ridiculous and really funny, but it was in a way, obviously not fun, but it was very different and an interesting challenge to make an album under these circumstances. And we had a studio time booked. And uh, yeah, like it, it just managed to sneak through before lockdown restrictions uh, changed again. And so we managed to get it all done. It, it was such a fluke though. Like really like a couple of days after we were done in the studio, like it was no longer permissible to, to do that. So, um, so yeah, that's the story of making the album. And it was so odd to do it, but um, yeah. And you know, I think that had things been different, we would have liked to have, you know, been together more and jammed it more. And, done it more collaboratively but still uh, i think it's quite cool that that we we're able to do that and you can use the technology to uh to work in these ways and i think that a lot of bands have been doing that you know home recording is pretty accessible now and and hell i mean like this whole thing for anyone forgetting bands like it would have been a lot harder and more isolating were it not for the you know the fact that we can do stuff like this zoom calls or whatever keep in touch um so yeah, I guess I'm thankful for that, and we just just about managed to uh, to get the album done, and that's really uh, kept us occupied, I suppose. So <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, did you did you find though? Because obviously you were you pulled off the road. You can't go out. You can't do things like that. You can't do part and parcel. A major part of being in a band. Did you find that it gave you more time to kind of perfect and perhaps not cut as many corners as you maybe might have done in the past when it came to the new album, Slain in the Spirit. Oh. Um. Well, it gave us it gave us more time, but I mean, mm. I, I think the only consequence of that really is that we got it done faster than we would have done otherwise. Okay. Uh, I, I imagine if we were still gigging and stuff, this might have. I mean, this will come out just under two years after our uh, last album, which it's really fast. It's pretty fast for well, especially for what we do because um, there's tons of layering and uh, you know, like lots of vocals and orchestration and. And, uh, well, that does just take a, a little more time than doing a, I don't know, let's say a, a raw black metal thing with, like, as a three piece or something. Mm. Um, so I would have expected that to take a lot longer had we not had the time to do that. So we probably would have been having this conversation a year later had it not been for that. But, um, but as far as like, uh, you know, um, cutting, like, like 
putting more detail or anything like that. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think we would have put as much. I think we would have made it as detailed. Mm-hmm. It just it would, it would have just taken longer. So it's uh, so it's it's cool to have done one quite quickly. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like you know, we all really miss playing live. Um, it's a huge aspect of the. Uh, of being in a band and it's, it's the part of it that makes it feel real i suppose that is true yeah yeah of course it's all good and proper releasing a great album but if you can't follow up and by going on tour playing to live crowds engaging that experience it's almost like a mirage i get what you're saying yeah, so you, yeah. you mentioned like you said you started writing this album quite soon after the previous one uh, a hit of inspiration the final sound of slain in the spirit how much of it differs from what you originally were writing back in the early in, when you first started do you think like it was very much the final project is the same as what you kind of started with no i think it's interesting how it develops i mean like uh the kind of bones of the song which i would say is like the melodies and the riffs like that that's kind of what stays so like when mm. i finish a production it's kind of like well these are what the song's going to be so like structure and like guitar parts are kind of defined but then What's interesting in making the album is just like how it develops as everyone adds their uh, their flair to it, you know. Um, so the you know Rob will have a huge impact on the the way the drum parts are, um, and a lot of that sort of we we like to plan, you know, certain aspects of it, and then leave like quite a lot of it up to spontaneity as well. Because if it's all meticulously planned, if you're recording an album which is very sort of pre-prescribed. Um, it's a little tedious because then you're just kind of like just trying to like hit a goal that's, that's already there. We like to kind of leave wiggle room for creativity like through the entire process. So um, I think actually what's ended up being one of the defining features of the album or, or mm. something that hits you as a listener is the uh, addition of uh, Victoria's vocals. And, um, and that was not really like a, a pre-planned decision. That was mm. actually something that did come out of the uh, kind of lockdown situation because... Um, well, uh, you know, I, I know her. Um, we, one of her former bands, uh, I think they call the Clockwork Opera, was like open for some one of her very first shows, and you know, we were watching, just like, wow, you know, she's got a, a proper classical soprano, soprano voice. That's really cool, you know. So, and I remember in the lockdown, just seeing a status she put up on her Facebook saying, "Well, I'm not got what's going on. I'm interested in doing some collaborations." And I was demoing this album at the time, and I was like, "Well, well we're working doing an outro for a song," and. Um, mm-hmm. It was the song that ended up being a title track, Slain in the Spirit. And I really liked what she did. I was like, I showed the guys, like, oh, we're definitely going to go through with this. And so we had it down to the studio to record that part. And uh, we were doing Matt's melodic vocals then anyway. And the voice was so impressive that we just ended up being like, oh, well, let's do this, this, and this, and this, and this. And it was pretty much decided on the day. And then when you listen to the album now, I, I feel like those moments in the album, when they are there, like they're, they're kind of um, climatic points or focal points in the song. So I think as a listener, that probably hits you as something that's quite defining of the sound of the album, which is interesting because it was such a spontaneous decision to do that. Ah. So, uh, It'd be interesting. So, so yeah, it's kind of half and half. It's like uh, we sort of know where we want it to go, but um, I feel like after a while, like things just start to rotate on a life of its own, like lyrics and titles as well that affects things. You, yeah. You know, that, that's collaborative. You know, Matt, um, aka the Anchorite, like mostly does that. So I might have an idea of like how I want the vocals to go, but it always surprises me when I receive the lyrics because I never tell him how I want them to go because I like to hear a fresh 
angle on it. So he might come up with something fully different. In fact, he usually does. And then it's like, oh, well, okay, that's not what I had in mind, but like, cool, uh, let's run with it. Or sometimes it's like, no, I want to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, so yeah, it's, um, it's a bit of both, but we've been going more and more that way. Yeah. Letting things be spontaneous because it's more fun. Mm. And, uh, you don't quite know what you're going to get at the end. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully. That evolution then as well, like you talk about, you know, four albums now, fourth one coming up, and the evolution yeah. of the spontane spontaneity and stuff like that. Does that feel as natural as it seems? Because when you listen to every album, actually, up to this point, but I've kind of, you know, I've had a spin on a new album, and this natural evolution of the band seems very natural. Is that the case for you guys? Yeah, I mean, like, it's something we we want to do, I and mean, it depends how you perceive this evolution. But, I mean, like, we... I, I, I think, actually, part of the reason I said, like, we had a surge of inspiration after the release of Apotheosis, like, it would surprise me if that didn't happen again. I think we have this inclination to react to what we just did. Right. Um, and it's funny, when you put an album out, you sort of see how people respond, and and, and suddenly you see your work in an objective light, whereas I think when you're making it, you can't. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love the Apotheosis record, but I remember like when it came out, I started thinking, oh, this one's really vibey, and I kind of felt like, yeah, it's kind of moody, atmospheric, and my response to that was, I just want to make something that's way harder, just, just more full force. And um, the guys were on board with that, like, yeah, that's just like man, songs which are heavier, um, more aggressive and just more full on, just like uh, fully maximalist. Um, uh, and so, yeah, like it's, it's like, it's like, it's like being reactive. And so you sort of have this vague idea of what you want to do music, like, okay, like we'll do whatever, but this one's going to be harder. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think uh, the evolution comes naturally because we don't want to repeat ourselves. And, and it's kind of like, I feel like when we've done an album, it's almost like a certain itch has been scratched. And so we want to scratch a different one afterwards. But, <laughs> but, but, what, but what's reassuring to us is I still feel like, in spite of the fact that it's good that you, you feel the band's sound has evolved because we, we don't want to repeat ourselves, you know, but, um, but we still also feel that when it's all done, it still manages to sound like an equinautical, like it's not a departure. So, um, I mean, I, I like to think of uh, our band, like, as I think of bands that I'm a, a fan of, you know, like, uh, you know, bands can let you down with, like, full, like, sonic departures and stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's, that's a prerogative, of course, I wouldn't say, oh, bands shouldn't be doing this and that. But uh, I do feel comfortable that whatever decisions we make, it's still going to, fit nicely under that um, umbrella of Necronautical that we've uh, that we created. Yeah, so, you could um, basically play a song from your first album in a live environment and follow up with something from the new album and it would still sound beautifully natural. Yeah, well, I'd like to think so. And, mm. and uh, well, I mean, we, we, we will be doing that, you know, and when we play the, we're gonna play a lot of new songs live and um, at Bloodstock, for instance, and at the few shows we have coming up, we're gonna be doing that, but we are gonna be, drawing from all the albums as we always do because well again like i just said i like to think of it as a fan when i go and see a show like a, a like a, a mix as i'm sure a lot of fans do mm. um, so yeah I, I feel like those songs sit comfortably uh, together and it's interesting uh how they bounce off each other in a set list as well like you know uh hearing 
you know, for example, Spitz and Cobra from the second album next to Slain in the Spirit. It's like, oh, well, obviously you can't pair those songs on an album, but like it's a, there's, you know, fun interplay between that. And having more material to work with as well is great for Settlers because, like I say, I feel like each album has its vibe. So you can kind of, you can play with that, you know, like, oh, uh, let's. The errors of Necronomical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we can be like, okay, let's start with something intense and then let's go into something more moody and, uh, well, they're back, back just intense, of course, it's still shame out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, wanna, correct me if I'm wrong, but this, I'm going to try and simplify, right, what is the overarching theme of the new album in with just one word, effectively spirituality in many different forms, right? So that's the most simplified version I felt I could describe it as. Is that correct? And would you, can you offer a more long form version of what that means? Sure. Uh, spirituality is a pretty broad concept. It's, uh, it's cool that you took that from it. I would, uh, it's interesting that you, you put it that way because actually like before we go into an album, like we kind of do do that. It, it, I have a very simple overarching concept. I, I'd have said consciousness. Or, um, mm. So our, our broad theme that we kind of decided on was um, look at like altered states of consciousness okay and interpretations of that so spirituality is one because um i mean we, we sort of looked at like various altered altered states of consciousness like um and obviously the band's name band name more broadly means to explore death so you, you may be aware of this phenomenon of things people talk about like um you hear as people are dying that um there's kind of like a hallucinatory um experience that goes for that and we thought like wouldn't that be like a cool kind of lyrical angle for yeah. this album like, so 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 it's supposed to kind of sonically represent the experience of like having a like out of body like spiritual experience like as you're dying um pretty loose with that you know like various lyric sets are um based around different kind of altered altered states of consciousness um I mean, like slain in the spirit means to be sort of overcome with a with spiritual feelings to the point where you're physically in, affected by that. Ah, um, yeah. Is that is that is actually a term? It means like you know uh, when like evangelical evangelical Christians or whatever uh, are in church and they start speaking tongues and writing on the floor. Of that course, condi that condition is called being slain in the spirit. Ah, uh, with us being a black metal band, we kind of. Uh, played on that a little bit into making it something kind of sexualized <laughs> with uh, with your love of God. Um, so so that's kind of the angle on that. Um, but yeah, but so similar to our other albums, to be honest, like, you know, we kind of, um, we like to look at like some sort of abstract experience like that or something you might go through and then kind of like emotionally interpret that. Kind of like to imagine that like, I don't know, I guess I myself as the vocalist, as the voice of the album, like that, that I'm experiencing these things. And um, through doing that, you're able to, um, you know, apply some emotion to it as well, um, which is important. Um, mm. we, we, you know, rather than just kind of having a topic and kind of hashing it out like an essay, uh, music should be emotional and there should be an emotional content. So it's kind of like we come up with these concepts and we try and put ourselves in, those positions either drawing from real experiences or just uh thinking on it you know um and just trying to attach some uh, emotional gravity to that it's, it's important 
I've always said it's important that we are standing behind what we say and we have some uh, some kind of experience of it. Um, fascinating. So, yeah. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it is fascinating. Um, yeah, uh, it's naturally because you start talking about out-of-body experiences and, and elements like that, people are naturally going to ask you, well, what's your personal experience of that? Have you ever had an experience like that? Yeah, maybe I shouldn't talk so publicly about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Let uh, me give you a. Let me give you a. Well, a I mean, like, simple, go on. Well, I mean, like, you know, to be honest, though, dude. Uh, I mean, we all do in, mm. in ways. I mean, like the single hypnagogia. That's about dreaming, right? Yep. Um, and hypnagogia, that word. Um, it's this state. Uh, you know, you'll have experienced this. I think most people have. You know, like, you know, when you're falling asleep and you're half asleep and you jolt up, like. Oh yes. Yeah, it feels real. Like when your dreams feel real, that's called hypnagogia. And again, that's just another altered state of consciousness where your brain is effectively, uh, you know, you're hallucinating. So, uh, so let's focus on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, like those kinds of experiences, like you know, they can they can be scary, but like also just like it's fully fascinating the power of your brain. Um, to, to come to these kinds of things, you know, like dreams that feel real or that you know become significant to you. I mean, sure, they didn't happen in reality, but I guess your brain is your reality and they can still affect you. So it was really interesting topic to work with and yeah. sort of to explore from from various angles for sure. But um, but yeah, you can you, people do. I think uh, I mean, like I imagine you may have done like just have these experiences that they. They're harder to explain. They're not based in reality, but that you know, the your brain it still makes it very real. So you you still experienced it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there, there are people out there that you know that, that believe all these ideas of spirituality and um, religion and afterlife and this kind of thing that actually of they probably stem from this part of your brain called the pineal gland. Uh, technically, Meshuggah did a song about it. <laughs> so it's how to, I'm not that learned. I learned most of this information from metal, you know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, there's a part of your brain solely there to project the kind of uh, visions, and um, people do interpret them as spiritual, you know, like ideas such as walking into the light, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's... Some people call that God, but uh, it's coming from your brain. Well, at least as far as science would tell you. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that's inspired uh, countless media, not just music, you know, whether it be a horror movie, be a video game, be it a book, and it always will, because it's so unknown. Sure, man. I mean, like, even, like, you know, architecture, it's all around you. I mean, you've been to Barcelona and seen Gaudi's Cathedral. Mm. Like, that looks like a hallucination. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the sort of thing you want to walk in on when, when you're like drunk or off your face high or something. Definitely. Well, depends what you're into. Yeah. But, okay. but, <laughs> but, it, but, but I mean, like, uh, you know, to, to see works like that, it mirrors those kinds of experiences anyway, I think. So you, you wonder if there's, you know, shared experience there anyway, or, or if maybe, you know, however you're getting at it, be it falling asleep or I don't know if you're into taking hallucinogens or if it's a spiritual experience or the process of dying if maybe it's just di different angles on the same thing mm. there's, a, 
there's a the people out there that talk about this that there is actually like kind of a a spiritual place that, that exists like from this part of the brain that through various means we're all capable of accessing and i just think that's uh well we're not the first to have talked about it i just think it's a really interesting subject and also quite uh well not fully unique but it was certainly interesting for us and a bit different for us to uh to work with that concept and um and again i think knowing we were going to do that or we sort of we were developing the music as this sort of started to come up into discussion uh you know i think that impacted the um the way the songs were written and uh, the kind of sounds that we went for like um you'll hear in the album there's kind of like some sounds like hammond organ used and stuff like that and that's kind of referencing like this more sort of like psychedelic rock yeah from like 70s and stuff like that it all plays into each other so to have concept like that you know it inspires you musically as well and just in fun little way it's like okay well let's uh let's try and get a little bit of that uh freaky hippie vibe in with the black metal and and just see what it does you know just see what happens yeah it's cool man so something more simple for you and you're going to get a lot of this for a period no doubt in interviews but relieved relieved to uh drop the corpse paint um that's a funny one uh it's uh, yeah, I think uh, it feels kind of like a, a growth for us to have done that. Mm. It's hard for me to fully say how I feel about it because I haven't played live with it yet and um, without it yet, sorry. And I think what I myself and uh, certainly most of the other guys in the band liked Corpse Paint as a live aspect because I mean, I used to play in a band called Ethereal as well, it was also wearing Corpse Paint. And um, that was like the first band I was in that really started to, you know, gain some momentum and start touring with whatever. And um, I always enjoyed what I enjoyed about Corpse Paint was uh, the kind of aspect of just preparation for a show. Like, like, it, you know, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, it, it changes me into someone else, but it, it does sort of kind of it makes you feel enlarged, kind of empowered to do that. But I think maybe what's changed is maybe it's just a statement of confidence because I just kind of feel like, like we all feel that, that we don't need that to feel the same anymore. Like mm. maybe the space between uh, the characters of Necronautical, the band and who we really are, they're coming closer together. And um, we've been toying with the idea of doing it for a while. And, uh, and you know, the reason we did it in the first place is because, you know, we, we like Corpse Paint. Yeah. Um, as black metal fans, I guess, like, Certainly, as we were growing up listening to it, like for me um, and a couple of the others, you know, it added to the atmosphere of the music, uh, added to the mystique of it, you know, when I was a teenager getting those first like couple of Dark Throne albums, but or what have you, or 1349 or bands, any bands that I liked back then that were doing that. But also, th those were kind of different times, like you were a little more distant from bands then, mm. you know, there was no social media, no those kind of interactions. And to be honest, it's actually hard in these times to achieve that mystique, like through corpse paint, because like people will know who you are anyway. And uh, of course, and and sometimes you know you'll be in a venue, and you know it's a tiny you know little venue or something, and there's no dressing area, so you're doing it, you know, putting your makeup on in the toilet, and some guy walks in to take a slash, and you're like, well, you know, this isn't really the mystique <laughs> <laughs> we were looking hoping for, so. Um, 
so yeah i don't know we'd sort of toyed with it for a while and i just this time just sort of felt right now um you know i'm getting to my mid-30s anyway and uh i just feel like there's no slight at all to bands that want to uh to do corpse paint I, I think that's great but um for us this just felt like the right thing to do um so it'll be interesting to play the first show without it i hope that um we're still able to put across as much uh, atmosphere and ferocity. We're not going to strip it back. You know, we've always played with like candles and fog and do as much as we can to set atmosphere as we can. And that's a lot of the music is about just building an overarching atmosphere. But um, we think that the course paint was part of that, but um, we're still going to aim to do that. It's just going to be, uh, yeah, I guess no, nothing on my face. <laughs> so, so, so some of the yeah. best, some of the best and brightest uh, black metal bands in the entire world uh, look like, dare I say, normal dudes, or just walking out there in a black t-shirt and jeans and and well, playing yeah. the most filthiest stuff. Well, I just joined Winterfell as well. I don't know if you know that. That's but... exactly who I was thinking of. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm their new guitar player. Incidentally, yeah. that wasn't that wasn't related to the decision. In fact, when we started talking about Coldplay, I almost said. Actually, no, I want to keep wearing it because I don't want people to think it's because I've joined Winter Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just like, no, you can't, you can't, uh, you shouldn't look at your band uh, with influence from outside factors. We, uh, we wanted to do it. And to be honest, if, any, if anyone was resistant to it, actually, it was me. Um, okay. But uh, I've come around to it. It's just wanting the end result to still be dark and atmospheric, but uh, I think it'll still go over. It's it's the simple thing. If you are a super duper fan, like you're you're out there and you're your your guy's number one fan, it's like basically getting a new haircut. Uh I had long hair three weeks ago. And no so, way. yeah, so that initial shock of people going, Oh my god, he shaved his entire head, that's what you're gonna have. And then everyone's going, Oh, that's fine, cool, carry on. You're the same person, you're the same band. Well, there you go. That looks good, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank I mean, I mean I uh, maybe, maybe I have seen you before with long hair. Maybe I wouldn't have recognised you. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, oh, maybe I met this guy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, because I I hadn't seen you with long hair. I'm sure you look radically different. But uh, I've just seen this impression of you. It's like, well, that's how you look. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Interesting. But I mean, no, I'm I'm not worried about it uh, from the, the band's angle. It's just uh, it's only makeup at the end of the day. It doesn't. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a it's a small thing. But I mean, like yeah, people have mentioned it you know and i've got a lot of friends in the scene that you know they're very serious on that side of things you know and they are good friends i was not worried about what they think but i was expecting some comments from just like oh like you're going that way now in like maybe that's going to be associated with some softer styles i mean but actually i've been surprised most most people i thought would be negative about it have, have been like yes yeah, it's, it's cool you know like you know we we support this or whatever mm. so that's kind of like nice but I'm not ever so worried about what, no, what people think anyway, but um, there doesn't really seem to have been any negative reaction to it. And even if there was, you know, we, we're entitled to do what we want to do. So get over it, basically. And yeah. the, a lot of people will get the opportunity to see you guys like that at, of course, Bloodstock this year, taking place the 11th to the 15th of August. We'll yeah. be there. You guys will be there. How, how excited are you to, to, be hit, to be at Bloodstock this year? Yeah, super excited, man. I mean, excited and... Well, I mean, like, Winterfield were already booked, so I was already kind of preparing for going, but with pandemic and everything, like, you really started to wonder if this was going to happen, and um, 
to be honest, like for a while, I was kind of like more fingers crossed for the organizers because I really respect and admire the fact that they pushed on with it anyway. Mm. When I think most people would not have, it's a huge risk if you know the ins and outs of it, you know. Um, so there's a lot of respect for that. And uh, yeah, we only got the news that we were going to play recently, of course, because obviously this has become like a really <laughs> a British lineup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we're super excited, man. We've never played Bloodstock before. I mean, I have in my former band done that and uh we've done some you know we did the Fernet festival in norway that's a big festival so but like bloodstock is well you know as you'd know it's a it's a really important show in uh, the uk calendar if not the most important and i guess uh extreme metal or true metal or you know well you know what i'm getting at yeah uh, so so yeah it's a big deal for us and um obviously we've been to that festival many times and obviously when you first start the band like you know you look up at that stage and like yeah that'd be me someday and here we are so yeah we're damn excited um it's been interesting because like the booking came short notice with the pandemic we've only actually just started rehearsing not so long ago maybe maybe six weeks ago we had our first rehearsal and we're doing new material material that is harder (laughs) to play and pull off but um but no I mean to be honest like I I like that intensity behind it because I actually feel like some of our best efforts and events and yeah have, have occurred like out of kind of frantic pressure um <laughs> like a kind of against all odds situation i feel like we kind of thrive on that so we're not holding back with this show at all we, we got um victoria who did our those additional vocals on the album we were like well we'll just do, make it special we'll have her join us and um i don't want to say it would be the only time that uh, she'll do it but she's going off to to study to become a proper opera singer so that's gonna Amazing. be the focus of her time and because of that i think she's retiring from her uh, kind of uh, life in the metal scene to focus on that which is great for her and if she has the talent to do that so but this presents an opportunity i was like well you can come and sing this and play this huge show with us and for her that's like a really nice send-off for her time in the metal scene and also it's something special that we can offer for my performance at Bloodstock, which uh, which you may not see again. So yeah, we're, we're damn excited. Uh, I've practically moved into my rehearsal space. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a shared arrangement in our permanent room with Winterfell that we share, which is working great for me. But honestly, I'm there like quite a lot of nights now. <laughs> Just uh, jamming, but I love it. So it's great. Yeah, we're super excited. Can't wait. Um, confident we're going to do uh, something special. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. And I just... Uh, you know, even if I wasn't playing, it just makes me really happy that that's going to happen. We're going to, you know, I know how important music and metal music and the metal community is to me. And I know that tons of people, like, you know, certainly self will feel the same way and those people feel the same way. So it's just, I just think it's going to be so great, so refreshing to finally, for all of us who love this music, to to be able to get back to what we love, you know? <laughs> like that's that's uh that's really important so so yeah i'm super excited both to play and just to be back where i belong you know? that was i was i had to ask I, was, I mean obviously you're playing twice over the weekend so you, you are you planning to be there from the wednesday onwards uh <laughs> and do the oh, whole five i'd love to man but i, I gotta go to work <laughs> ah, of course fair enough what about a band? I, mean, I, mean, it's like I, I could have done right um 
I got these two shows. Yep. And uh, I might go on Friday night. But uh, my priority is performing all the shows. And to be honest, like three additional nights in a tent before the shows, maybe drinking. Uh, I kind of need, I, I want to make the best of these shows as well. And also like with having two bands that are fairly busy going on, like I've got tons and tons of touring commitments now, which is great. Yeah. But I got to hold the job down. So I, I try not to uh, take the piss. <laughs> so I'm having three days off. I'm going to go down maybe Friday night or Saturday morning. Winter for the Saturday, Necronautical Sunday, few beers Sunday night, and then uh, back to the ground on Tuesday. So that's my plan. I'd, I'd love to go with the full thing. I really would. But um, I'm hoping to protect my uh, performance by, <laughs> by not good. joining the fray till Saturday, I guess. <laughs> I think it's completely fair. It's not quite the 80s rock star life that uh, a lot of, lot of people dreamed of when they're growing up to be musicians, but it is life and reality now. Well, we understand the changes in the music industry and, uh, well, hell, wouldn't maybe not have been my living in those times, but, uh, you know, we got to have jobs. And, of course. And, uh, you know, I've got, you know, dependents, family, house to pay for, stuff like this. So, you know, this, this is life. I don't complain about it. I'm damn happy to be doing what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, any musician doing this kind of stuff, like, you could look at it like a sacrifice, but you're not going to stop doing it. You do this because you love it. You know, yes. don't do it for money or anything like that. And that should never have been the incentive anyway. People that want to do that will, will create bad artwork if that's your incentive is to become successful. I, I think I'm just happy to be doing it. So, so yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it kind of sucks to miss a bit of the festival, but the only reason I'm doing it is because I've got more awesome metal stuff to do later. And so, so I, I'm not complaining about that. I know the other guys are going to be there. Um, earlier um our drummer rob aka slug uh, will be there all weekend i believe and our bass players so uh they'll be around but um yeah i'm gonna take it easy and get down on the on the saturday and uh, do my bit to support my my family as well you know so absolutely, absolutely. Money coming in. <laughs> um, i got one more yeah, i really can't wait i really can't wait to go though Oh, cool. And it's great. You're going to be doing, you know, you get to see you play twice. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on GBHBell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash GBHBL, as well as Big Cartel, where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?